Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. I uh, typically, when I, when I deal with, with something dangerous, I try, to be, uh, I try to be careful so no one gets hurt. Uh, chainsaws make me really nervous. Uh, so I try to be really careful. My, my wife has a couple uncles and cousins who nearly cut their limbs off. Um, they use chainsaws all the time, but they just got careless. They got, they got careless. Uh, their comfort made them careless. Uh, chainsaws are dangerous. You should be careful. Uh, guns make me nervous. Uh, so I try to be really careful with them. Um, my dad was a police officer when we were growing up and, um, he did not joke about guns. He didn't take his guns out to show his buddies when they were coming over to hang out or anything like that. Uh, he, he was very serious. He didn't come home, drop his gun on the bed or leave stuff out. He, we knew his guns were not toys and he did not joke around about them. And clearly, cause they're, they're very dangerous. Um, and as dangerous as guns and chainsaws are, uh, the Bible teaches us that, that the words that we say are, are dang- can be dangerous, can be powerful. Um, and it, many of us might do well to be silent more often. Um, we should at least, at the very least, be careful about how we use them or very slow, slow, slow to use them. Uh, Does that describe how you, how you use your words? Careful and slow. Maybe uh, you can remember a time where you've carelessly said something that you wish you could take back. Or maybe someone carelessly said something to you that you remember years later. Maybe they don't even remember. On the flip side of that, though, you know, you you've been around people in your life who just seem to give you life when you talk with them. Like when you walk away from talking with them, you're like, I like them. Uh, They. They give you life. They give you life. It's like a breath of fresh air. Uh, When you walk away from them, you feel more alive. So for 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 all the power uh, that Jesus had, Jesus displayed while he was he was on earth. There was power in his words. He would just, he could say things and release things into people's lives. So Jesus once said this, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Um, so we have all been in conversations where it feels like someone's trying to steal something from you or trying to take something from you, or they feel like they've got something to prove in their conversation with you. Uh, they're trying to win some kind of backwards contests. Sometimes when, you, when you're talking with your spouse, the whole conversation ends up being not about whatever you're arguing about, but it's, just, it's about winning. And they're trying to take something from you. And Jesus says, I didn't come to steal anything from you. I came to give you life. And I wonder if that's how I could begin to talk to people. Like if I'm, if I'm going to say something, then I speak things that give life, give power, um, as opposed to taking something. Do my words give life and give them to the fullest? Listen to this verse. It says, a word 
out of your mouth may seem of no account, might seem like it's no big deal, but it can accomplish nearly nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a a spark. Remember to set, uh, set off a forest fire, a careless word or a wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on our reputation, set the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. So when we talk with each other, uh, we typically underestimate the power of our words. We don't think our words change the world for good or for bad. But by our, by our speech, you know, by our speech, we can ruin the world. It's really, and is that really true? Is that really true? It feels like it's not, but I, but I bet, I bet you can think of a time where if someone said something, you could ruin that person's world. So being careless with our words is like standing in a crowd of crowd, a crowded room with a running chainsaw. Today, I want to begin a series that expands our understanding or the weight of our words and how, how powerful they are, how, how much they weigh. And I'm going to try to, try to, try to, I'm going to ask you to try some things um, in this series. And I hope uh, that I hope will make us all better at using our words to give life, to speak life to people and uh, to be silent. Otherwise, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And that that's not going to happen if you're unwilling to stop and get your mouth under control. So this, and those of you guys who are part of our, our, our uh, church family, you might think you are very, a very religious person. But if your tongue is out of control, you are fooling yourself. Your careless talk makes your offerings to God worthless. What a strong statement. Um, it seems like that can't even be possible. T- today, I want to begin at work looking at how we use our mouths to complain. Uh, and little sins like complaining aren't, aren't just shrugged off like they're no big deal in our culture. They're actually encouraged, right? You know, let, 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 go ahead, blow off some steam. Go ahead and let, 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 let loose uh, or, or maybe even celebrated. Um, in, in truth, these sins have the same, the same kind of deadly price tag to, to any other. They destroy relationships. They weaken our, our ability to represent Christ and, and separate us from the life that God wants us to have. And I, I'm, I'm always amazed in church world, churches, you know, Christians, we get super amped up about sexual sins and not as amped up about sins like complaining. Which maybe maybe that that makes those kinds of sins like complaining more dangerous. When I think about uh, complaining in the Bible, I I can't stop. But the first thing that comes to my mind is how the Israelites complained in the desert um, when they escaped slavery in Egypt. Uh, And if you don't know that story, for hundreds of years, Israelites were in slavery in Egypt um, and God rescued them from slavery and took them to the promised land. The promised land was supposed to be this great place where they got basically everything they wanted. Uh, God provided for them everything they wanted. So God, God finally shows up after hundreds of years to take them to the promised land. Um, and he's on the way there. They're on the way there. So it's like your parents have promised to take you to Disney World. And while you're driving down to Florida, the whole community of the Israelites began complaining 
again. And they complained to Moses and Aaron in the desert. And they said, it would have been better if the Lord had just killed us in the land of Egypt. At least there we had plenty to eat. We had all the food we needed. But now you have brought us out here into this desert to make us all die from hunger. You wanted to come here. (laughs) You asked for this. You wanted to come here. This is what you wanted. And God is so patient with these people. Um, There's not much to eat in the desert, so people complain about that. And certainly, if you've ever been on vacation with people, with a group of people, and you you keep them from eating, there will be complaints. (laughs) But I want you to see this. Complaining breeds mistrust of God. When we're complaining, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you to figure this out. Uh, I don't trust the road that we're on together. Um, God, I don't think you can handle this. God certainly knows they need food. And most certainly this is a test while they're in the desert. If, if God, these guys, God's saying, if I don't give these guys exactly what they want, right when they want it, what's going to happen? Let's find out. Complaining. And mistrust of the Lord. So where did all, the, where did all this complaining start? Where did all, all this complaining begin at? Um, the verse says, the whole community of Israelites began Complaining. Anyone remember that next word? Again. (laughs) Oh, you're complaining again. Which obviously means this has happened before. They're complaining again. So listen, before the Israelites are out of slavery, God says this. Look at this verse. Um, It says, Then the Lord said, I have seen the troubles my people have suffered in Egypt and I have heard their cries when the Egyptian hurt them. Egyptians hurt them. I know about their pain. Now I will go down and save my people from uh, now I will go down and save my people from the Egyptians. I will take them from the land um, from that land and lead them to a good land where they can be free from troubles. It's a land filled with many good things. Uh, so let me just say, we're all, pre- we're all pretty good with this, this part where if you're, com- if you're a slave and you complain about being a slave, we're all like, okay, <laughs> I'm with that. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Uh, and as, as Jesus followers, that's, all, that's what we would all do if we were in slavery. We cry out to God in our trouble. But we should all remember that when we're going through difficult things, there's this fine line between crying out to God and complaining. And if you're not careful, crying out to God can, can become complaining. And sometimes the only person who's going to know the difference between whether or not you're crying out to God or complaining is you and the Lord. They look, they look almost identical. So it's at those moments we need to be really, really careful and cautious and ask the question, is this crying out to God or am I just complaining? And it's going to be on you and me. 
And if, if we believe that our words are powerful enough to change the world, then we will be careful. We will, like we've got a chainsaw in our hands. In this case, God's going to rescue the people, but it's not going to be anything like they, they think it will be. God sends a man named Moses to rescue the Israelites and lead them out of slavery. And when Moses first gets there, everybody's excited. Moses is like, hey, everybody, I'm here to save you. And he's like, everyone's like, whoa, yes, super excited. Come on, Moses, we are so pumped. And God's seen our misery and he sent someone to save us. But the moment, the very moment things don't go the way that they, they thought they was going to go in their heads, guess what happens? They said to Moses and Aaron, may the Lord judge and punish you for what you did. You made Pharaoh and his rulers hate us. And what Moses did basically is say, hey, guess what? I'm here to take these people out of here, which is what they wanted. You have given them excuse to kill us. Then Moses prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you done this terrible thing to your people? Why did you send me here? I went to Pharaoh and said what you told me to say. But since that time, the people have, has, since that time, he has made the people suffer and you have done nothing to help them. So the people are complaining to Moses and then Moses is complaining to God. And all this complaining is breeding mistrust. Because God's already said, God has already said, I'm going to do this. And if you remember the story, there's like a burning bush and there's miraculous things. And God says, I'm sending you Moses. And then Moses shows up and everything doesn't go the way that Moses thinks. And then he's like, yeah, you shouldn't have sent me here. Why'd you even send me here? Complaining breeds mistrust. When it doesn't go your way, if you complain, it's breeding mistrust. And those words are dangerous. Those words are dangerous. Complaining uh, marks the relationship between the Israelites and God. Their whole, the group of people who leave Egypt to go to the promised land, their whole relationship with God is marked by complaining. It is characterized by complaining. God says, trust me. They do not. They complained before they became free. And it marked their relationship off after they were free. And you see, this is the way, this is the way sin works. And this is the, or we think about sin. We're like, <clears throat> I'm going to sin, but if you give me what I want, then I won't anymore. <laughs> like, I'm going to look at pornography and I'm going to indulge in lust. But if you give me a wife, Lord, once we're married, I'm done. Nope. Like any of you have 10 minutes of experience, you know that's not true. Lord, I'm going to be super greedy and I'm not going to invest anything in your kingdom and I'm going to keep what you give me for me. But once you give me some money, like once you start being generous to me, then I'll be generous to others. You think God's stupid? That's not how it works. That's not how we work. 
I'm going to complain. I'm going to spend my life complaining about what you won't give me now, Lord. But once you do it, once you give me what I want, then I'm going to stop complaining. If you sin here, you're going to sin here. You, you just pave the way to make it easier. If you complain here, you complain there. It never works to pr- make those kinds of promises. When you get what you want, then you'll stop doing wrong. The Israelites didn't. And their consistent complaining cost people their lives. If you think that your words or your complaining is not a big deal, then you should look at the book of Exodus and look at how the Israelites complain, 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 and what it cost them. And don't think that we are different than them. They never trusted God and their complaining characterized their relationship with him. So maybe you'll say this. All right, Daryl, all right, all right, okay. What do you expect them to do? They're slaves. They're slaves. They're all in slavery. Do you expect them to not complain while they're living in slavery? Let me ask you this. This is a question for you. If you're living in slavery, is it still a sin to complain? Are slaves exempt from the command to not complain? If you're living in slavery, is it still a sin to complain? Yes. And maybe, maybe because, maybe because most of you are white, you feel like I can't say that. I don't know. Yes. Yes. It, it, and, God, and God is gracious. He gets it. He knows slavery's hard. So he might be like, I get it. Okay. But it doesn't make it not a sin. It's still a sin. Many of you guys are familiar with a man named the Apostle Paul. So Paul, Paul um, wrote lots of the, old, the New Testament. Um, and Paul had a dream to go preach in Rome, to be a missionary there. He felt like God put it on his heart to, to preach in Rome, do ministry in Rome. And most of us know what it's like to have an idea or a dream in your mind and have it not happen. Or not happen how you think it's going to happen. Very difficult, heartbreaking. So Paul's not going get to get to go to Rome as a, as a preacher or as a missionary. He gets to go as a prisoner and he's like oh yeah God, I, this isn't what, how I expected this to play out and God said well I, 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 I'm sending you to Rome but I never said how I'm sending you I'm sending you as a prisoner and we've talked before about what prisons were like then super gross super uncomfortable nothing like these these Martha Stewarty kinds of prisons that you you've read about or you know, nothing like that so in the midst of being a prisoner, Paul says this. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well, whether well fed or hungry, whether I'm in the middle of the desert and there's no food, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do this through him who gives me strength. And this is a famous verse that we all love and we all like. And we usually typically think that means that 
God's going to give me strength to do whatever I feel like doing or to make a lot of money or to be successful. But what it's talking about here is it's talking about enduring without complaining, enduring and being godly in the midst of it. So listen to this. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you will be blameless and pure children of God without any fault. But you are living with evil people all around you who have lost their sense of what is right. Among those people, you shine like lights in the dark world. Paul seems to be saying, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you're a slave or you're a prisoner. I don't care whatever you are. Do everything without arguing or complaining. And and, and learn the secret of being content in every situation. If if you do that, you will be lights in the dark world. You're surrounded by people who are doing ridiculous things. Do this thing. Do this thing. Do everything without arguing or complaining and you will be light. You will be light. Stop it. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. So during this series, uh, I, I, I want to ask you to practice the discipline of silence with me. Um, these guys, uh, Bree and, and, and our, our Johannes and Chris have set us up for this. I want to ask you to practice the discipline of silence with me. And I'm going to confess up front, I'm awful at this. You can, I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, Daryl being silent. Yeah, all right. Uh, so my, my daughter and I, um, we've been trying to practice this in a couple weeks leading up to it. And we, we get to, I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I, I, just, I, I did bad. <laughs> I did really bad. So I should be clear, the spiritual discipline of silence isn't, isn't the same thing as not saying any words. I'm not asking you to go through the whole day not saying anything. Someone says hello to you and you can be like, I'm not asking for that. The, discipline, the spiritual discipline of silence is about seeing and hearing and listening and being slow, slow, slow to speak, speaking when it's appropriate or it's according to the will of God. And a clear example of this um, that, that Bree already hinted at is this. A clear example of this is during Jesus' trial and interrogations before he's crucified. He's cruelly practicing the discipline of silence. And if you guys remember the story, people are berating him and talking to him and he doesn't say anything except some specific moments. He's slow, slow, slow to speak. And, and, and maybe he's slow to speak because he, does not, he doesn't want to just strike all these people down. <laughs> Trying to... But he's silent when he needs to be silent. And he speaks when it's according to the Lord's will. Slow to speak. That's what I'm inviting you into, that discipline of silence. Um, the Bible teaches there's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. I want us to practice this. Um, so so start, start with the rest of the day. You don't even have a whole day to start with. <laughs> got half a day. Uh, if you go to bed at 10, you got 10 hours. Slow to speak. Speak with God's will. Otherwise, don't speak. Slow, 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 slow to speak. This is going to be our first step to keep us from complaining, silence. And it's, uh, it's something, I, I, you know, I should say, um, don't, don't say anything that even smells like complaining. And if it does, don't say it, even if you can justify saying it. Listen, look for a chance to give life with your words. 
So there are those of us, those of us who are extroverted or those of us who are talkers, we know that silence isn't enough to keep us from complaining because that's like holding your breath, right? Like if I'm silent, now I'm compl- I've got complaining going on here, it's going to come out. Jesus, Jesus once said, he said, it's not the things that you put in your mouth that defy you, it's the things that come out of your mouth because they come from So silence gets us halfway there. Silence keeps us from getting ourselves in trouble. But we need something else. We need something else. We need something else to keep us in check. When when you're tempted to complain, I want to ask you to change your perspective about what you're, you're tempted to complain about. So you're not getting your way, which is typically what we complain about. We don't complain about... We don't complain... We often don't complain about... My wife's not getting her way. I'm complaining about I'm not getting my way. Set your mind on what you can be grateful for. Change your perspective. Set your mind on what you can be grateful for. What can you think? What can you thank God about in this situation? So first, shut up. Don't say anything. Two, what can you be grateful for? In all situations. In all circumstances. Prison, slavery. Let me end with this example uh, to show you how far I want you to go. It will be done. I've shared with some of you guys before uh, that my daughter inspired me to read a book called The Hiding Place by Corey Tinboom earlier this year. So, I'm sure you know where this is going. So Corey and her sister, Betsy, um, if you don't know their story, they were Dutch Christians who helped hide Jews from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. Um, after, for, after doing that for a while, they got caught, which they knew. It, they, when you read their story, you, they knew it was coming. They did it anyway. They knew they were going to get caught, and they, did, they kept doing it anyway. Um, they felt like they didn't have any choice. So... Super powerful story. So after the sisters are arrested, they're taken to um, a few different concentration camps. So in one camp, and uh, they're in one camp after being separated from each other for months in a different camp, they're brought, they're brought to, together to the same camp. So when they arrive at this camp, uh, they're shown to this barracks. They're just unbearable, crammed with other women prisoners. Uh, just their beds are like wooden bunk beds with no mattresses, uh, just like rancid straw uh, put, laid down for them. So the first night they laid down um, on it, you know, struggling against the nausea from, that swept over them from the, from the smell of the straw. And, and after laying down for just a few seconds, Corey sits up in her bed and she's, she, jumps, she jumps out of her bed, realizing that the place is crawling with fleas. Um, and in pure exhaustion, in pure frustration, Corey says to her sister, Betsy, how can we live in such a place? And Betsy says, show us, show us how. And it took Corey a few seconds to realize that her sister is praying, show us, show us how. And Betsy, just just a few seconds, she yells with excitement. She says, he has given us the answer, as he always does. He's given us the answer before we needed it. And she says, 
go, go back, go back to what, the, what, we, what we read in the Bible this morning. Go back, read it again, read it again. So Corey checks, she looks around to make sure there's no guards and she brings out the Bible that they've snuck into this concentration camp. And she reads the verses that they read this morning. And this is what she reads. She said, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. Some of you guys have been wondering, you know, God, show me, teach me what your will is. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Bessie said, that's it. Corey read this and Bessie said, that's it. He's told us, here it is. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. And we can start right now. Now, you can imagine having a sister like this, right? You'd be ready to punch her out. And it, Corey makes it very clear in her book, that's where she's at. And she's, she, she says, we can start right now. Corey looked around the room and said, what can we give thanks for right now? And, Corey, and Bessie says, well, we're together. They've been separated for months. Didn't know if they'd ever get to see each other. We're together. Corey agreed with that. She's like, yeah, we're together. For the word, they had a Bible in the concentration camp. And Corey agreed. She's like, yeah, we can, we can thank God for his word. For all these other women. And Corey's like, yeah, I guess for all the women. And Bessie said, for the fleas. And Corey's like, that's it. I am not thanking God for the fleas. And this is what Bessie said. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. And Corey mumbled, thanks for the fleas, God. But she thought her sister was wrong. She thought she was wrong. While they lived in those barracks, they found they had a lot of freedom. The guards didn't watch them as closely and they were able to read the Bible to many women, uh, some, some of whom put their trust in Christ. And, and, and I don't know if you can put that in perspective. Um, Many of us, you know, many of us in real life, we don't read the Bible. You don't care to, you don't care to read the Bible and you don't even care to have it read to you. But in the dark, super hard situations like this, you need life. You need light. And they were fiending to have, come, come read the Bible to me. So they would go around bunk to bunk, reading the Bible to all of these ladies some of them put their trust in Christ and they wondered why they had been given so much freedom. Some of their fellow prisoners, they were the prisoner, the, the guards were on top of them all of the time. They wondered why they had been given so much freedom. Then one day, Betsy overheard one of the guards talking about their room, why they never came into it. Guess why they never came into that room. The flea.
Thank God for the fleas. Because a hundred thousand freaking years from now, when there are women in that room who put their trust in Christ, thank God for the fleas that kept the guards out so that I can share Christ with you. And a hundred thousand years from now, no one's going to care about the fleas, right? So thank God, thank God for the fleas. Thank God in every situation. And if, and if you and I are committed to not spending our lives complaining about not having what we wish we had, then we can focus more attention on thanking God for what he's given us. And we can be the light of the world. When you are tempted to complain, be silent. Pray continually and say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. And give thanks in all situations. Look for what you can thank God for in your challenging situation. Thank you, God, for the fleas. And it's very likely it won't be as bad as slavery or prison or concentration camps. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let me pray for you as you attempt to, uh, to practice this spiritual discipline. And then you'll be dismissed. Dear Father, uh, thank you for the fleas. The, the, the things in our life that are small and biting and irritating that we hate and that we tend to complain about. The first words out of our mouth. Because we're irritated, we're not getting what we want or we're getting something that we don't want. I pray, I pray that you would be, help us to be so, so, so careful and cautious with the words that we use Help us to practice the discipline of silence. Help us to find space in our lives where we can walk into rooms and sit and not say anything. And we can encourage people that way. And when you call, you call us to say a word, we say it. And then we go right back to doing what you've called us to do. Help us to say what you want us to say. And God Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ knows that is not complaining. We want to be the light of the world. I pray that our church, as we do this together, that you would help us. Because we, we cannot do it alone. You need to change our hearts. We want to be grateful about what you've done for us and what you've given us. Keep this on our minds. We're going to forget and we're going to run our mouths. Keep this on our minds. Keep this on our hearts. This week, as we, uh, as we commit, as, and let, let me back up just to today. Today, <laughs> 10 hours, the rest of the day. Today, as we attempt to do everything without arguing or complaining, meet us there. We want to do it. We, we need you to meet us there. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.